Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around equity, diversity, and inclusion. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in the space. Let's get started. Hey, friends. This week, I'm excited to have Charles Johnson and David San Juan join me from the Prince Hall Masons. The Honorable David San Juan is the most worshipful Grand Master for the Grand Lodge of California. Charles Johnson is from Keystone Lodge Number 14 in Stockton, California. All right. So I am excited this week to have uh, representatives from the Prince Hall Masons join me for a conversation on the history of the Masons. And, you know, it's so interesting to me because if I remember correctly, you all are the oldest African-American fraternal organization, which says a lot because I want to say it's, you can school me, but I want to say I saw something that said it started in the 1700s and that has been active since like 1855. So, which is amazing uh, when you think about all of the history and all of the things that were going on in that time frame. So I just want to welcome you all to the Jolly Podcast. And I am hopeful that uh, we can just kick it off and talk a little bit about the history of the Prince Hall Masons. How did it get started? Why did it get started? Well, I'll start. Um, and thank you for for having us. Uh, I, it's really a treat to be on and, and to talk about the, the one of the things that I love the most is, is Freemasonry. Uh, first, I think you should know a little bit about what Freemasonry is. And Freemasonry is a fraternal organization that uh, takes some of the stories from the Bible. It's a, a system of morality um, that uh, we, we use as a progressive science that teaches us lessons in how to be better men than we, we were when we, came, when we first knocked on the door. But more than that, but also to our communities as well. And so Prince Hall, who is believed to have been born in 1735. And just think about the time, 1735, and what that must have been like. Right. Because of his name, Prince, we know he was a slave, because that's a slave name. Prince, Pompey, Rex, King, these were all slave names. So we, there's no doubt he was a slave, he was born a slave. We also know that he was a slave because we have manumission papers uh, when he was freed in, in uh, 1770. So without having the, the records that we have in modern times where you go down to the county clerk's office and you can pull up anybody's birth certificate and so forth, that didn't happen back then. And so the, the story has changed about his life, his, his birth. Uh, there was a point to where it wasn't believed that he was, he was a slave, but we know he was. Uh, so if we, we look back at his time and his era, uh, we know that he was... He got his manumission from uh, a Thomas Hall. There were rumors that he was actually born in Barbados in, in the British West Indies, but there's actually no proof. They can't they can't provide proof, and we don't have that proof. But that's what's been told many years. And so in 17, we know that in 1770 that Prince Hall was educated. 
I'm sure a lot of it was self-education. He was very articulate in, in his, his speeches as well as in his writing. We know that he petitioned not only Massachusetts, but also Connecticut to turn. Uh, he was one of our, he was our, he's the father of civil rights. He yeah. was, he was an abolitionist. He, he worked to, to change the fugitive slave laws that had happened at that time. And, and uh, you, I'm sure you know that there were a lot of freed Africans that were walking around in Boston, Massachusetts, where he lived during that time, that were kidnapped, put on ships, and sent right back down south. Right. And uh, so he, he fought against that. Um, when I say civil rights, it was more than just you know, the rights of Africans and and whether they were enslaved or freed. He also opened up the very first uh, public school. He opened it up for Native Americans and African-American little boys and girls, girls. Wow. Uh And so he was a he was also a Methodist minister. And because he knew of Freemasonry, he he applied to to get membership in a Masonic Lodge. And of course, he was turned down a number of times, but he was finally given, uh, he was made a Mason in an Irish foot soldiers regiment that was fighting on behalf of the British Army, who we were at war with. Oh, wow. He and, and 14 others became Masons. Eventually, he applied for a charter so that uh, he and his brothers could meet and eventually he got that in, in 1787. And the the Mother Grand Lodge was the United Grand Lodge of England, still is. They're the ones who give us regularity. They gave him a charter to, to meet and and to to celebrate St. John's uh, Day, as well as march and, and parades for or, or processions for funerals. And so he started the first Grand Lodge for African-American men. And eventually... He passed on and we were able to to have a Grand Lodge and it was called the Sovereign Grand Lodge. And he became their Grand Master. It was African Lodge uh, number 87. Uh, I'm sorry, 459. And we became a Grand Lodge. So a Grand Lodge is comprised of three lodges that come together and they make a Grand Lodge. Okay. And so uh, in California, we have a Grand Lodge, of which I'm the 57th Grand Master. Oh, wow. And so we organized in June of 1855. In California? In California. Just think about it. Oh, wow. Okay. Before the 14th Amendment was, you know, had been been, uh, adopted, or I should say ratified in this this state, which was in 1863. Yes. Um, but I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back farther back again. I'm going to go back again. And I want to talk about some, some Masonic history as far as how it relates to the African-American culture. Okay. So Prince Hall was, 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 was also a soldier. Uh-huh. And there have been Prince Hall Masons to serve in every war and conflict since 1776. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's an amazing stat, yes. right? Yeah, it is. It is. And why that is so important is the fact that during slavery, there would have been no Underground Railroad if it weren't for Prince Hall Masons. It would have been impossible for that to have happened. And the reason why I say that is because those Masons, those foot soldiers who who served during the Civil War, 
No one knew all the passageways and no one knew where the enemy was better than the Masons, those military, those soldiers who were in the fight. They knew all the paths through the woods and so forth. And so at the time, as you can imagine, there was no privacy in the church. There was no privacy there. But the Masonic Lodge is a private meeting. And there they they would pass messages and, and, and so forth to all the conductors in the Underground Railroad. They made it possible uh, through wow. their meetings. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's an amazing story. I'll, I'll move it forward again. 1855, we actually started getting together and meeting in 1848 as Masons. As a matter of fact, those who we know as Keystone Lodge in Stockton, Yes. Started meeting in 1848 in near a, a mine near McCallamy Hill. Oh, my goodness. OK. So the Prince Hall Masons in California. Not everybody knows this, but uh, it's too bad that not everybody understands that slavery was was in California. Yes. Between yes. 1848 and 1851, there were 1500 slaves that walked from the deep south to California. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh-huh. So whether California was going to be a slave state or free was was debated for a very long time in the California legislature. And it was because some some Prince Hall Masons who at that time we were not called Prince Hall Masons. We we're actually the sovereign Grand Lodge at that time. Okay. It's be it's because they, as well as another prominent Mason, an Caucasian Mason, his name was uh Thomas Starr, was also a minister and an abolitionist in San Francisco. And uh, they went to the California legislature and they argued their case. And one of the problems that they ran into was there some of the legislatures who uh, legislators who were in our, our, our our state capital were also former slave owners and slave owners. Right. And so obviously it's easier for them to have a slave to dig for them than to go out there themselves. And that's what they did. A whole bunch of carpetbaggers also came across from the deep South, but they found themselves digging next to slaves and that became a problem. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And that problem was exploited by those, including Thomas Starr and, and, and some of the Prince Hall Masons that we uh, we stand on, you know, the, the shoulders that we stand on in in Stockton. There was uh, at one time a slave revolt in, in Stockton. Really? There was a, slave, a huge slave revolt. And a good portion of the, the free African-American community in Stockton fled for their lives. Some went to Marysville. Some went to different parts of, of Northern California. Some went into even the Sequoia area. And uh, when the coast was clear, many of those families came back. There were like five different families that that came back to the Stockton area and they organized a lodge and it was called King Solomon Lodge. Okay. We called it King Solomon Lodge. And then eventually we, we were Pilgrim Lodge. And in 1906, after the great earthquake in San Francisco, we became Keystone Lodge number 14. Um, and we've been we've been operating as Keystone Lodge ever since. I'm going to let Charles jump in because and that's a and that's a picture behind you, right? That is Keystone Lodge in 1908. Oh my goodness. That's that's, that's us and the and so the the women that you see there, those are members of the order of the Eastern Star. Okay. 
So it's like the women's side of, of this Masonic, this whole Masonic uh, culture. And um, I have so many, I have so many slides. I wish I could have shown you to tonight on some of the, some of the events that have taken place, historic uh, events that have taken place with uh, Prince Hall Masons in, in California. But there used to be a time when we would all get together and there would be four trains that would leave Barstow, California and travel all the way up to Portland. And we would have a big meeting in Portland. And then the train, after we had our meeting, the train would come back. And I have photographs of that that I wish that I could have shared with you tonight. And well, we have to have you come back then. <laughs> you know, I, I would love to do that. I don't know if you've talked about Biddy Mason or you know about William Leadersdorf. No, or, no. Or Mary no. Pleasant. Um, no, you you can come back anytime. We can spend some more time talking. <laughs> I'm, I lay at your feet just listening. This is such a wonderful uh, history. So it I know you wanted to. You wanted to kick it over to, to Charles to talk a little bit about Keystone Lodge. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I want to go back just a little bit and kind of re reiterate some of the things that um, uh, San Juan said with regards to just the place of masonry and the history uh, as it relates to America. Um, Prince Hall Masonry has really been at the fabric of helping African-Americans, um, especially in the South, really to traverse some of the issues that were going on <clears throat> during that time, and even to today, um, as in, you know, moving forward. So I think it's it's really important to note that, um, that we are really deeply woven into the fabric of helping our people to do better, uh, helping our people to survive, um, even some of the worst of incidents, such as the incident in Rosewood, the incident at Green uh, in, in the Greenwood District, um, we were very instrumental in all of those uprisings to kind of help bring peace and harmony back to our African American uh, society and our way of life and our root. And a lot of times we don't think about it that way because um, although we are Masons, we operate as men first and women first. So those who you may recognize in society as being um, a prominent person, they are oftentimes in a lodge or um, in a chapter with the OES and have done such great work and have benefited um, just our way of life and, and continue to do so. So I think that that's a, a really important part that we that we kind of pause on for a moment and talk yes. about because it's, yes. it's a beautiful legacy um, within the ranks of what it means to be Prince Hall. And that's really kind of a bonding fabric for me is that uh, we have been deeply in the trenches in every single area of American society. And um, we have really in large part kind of helped to frame what it means to be uh, kind of in the world the way we exist today. So one thing that I'm extremely proud of as being a representative of not just Keystone Lodge, but uh, Prince Hall Masonry in general, and then also just in terms of the work that we're doing at Keystone Lodge, like um, Grandmaster said, uh, we have such a, 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 a rich and deep history in the city of Stockton, and that has continued on. A lot of the uh, individuals that you see um, doing things in the city of Stockton are affiliated um, with, with our lodge, um, either as members or they have, you know, worked with us in some capacity to help us to build 
um, some of the things that we have tried to do um, in the city of Stockton. We have deep roots with the NAACP, not just in our city, but on a state and national level as well, um, where we we work with them with regards to voter rights and voter registration, as well as helping to just sustain the fabric of what the NAACP is. Um, and so we we do great work there. In addition to that, we're also doing some things that people really don't know about, such as the CE Town Fund, um, the Masons Permits, which in that situation, we help young people across the Central Valley and in the Bay Area. We donated this year or last year well over a million dollars to kind of help push forward that initiative and get young kids interested in baseball, an opportunity to play by having Mets and they've partnered with um, organizations like the Junior Giants and, and other organizations to help that to bring that to fruition. Um, and we've also donated over, uh, really, it's, it's about 10 to 15K a month, um, 13 million around about in total with the Red Cross. So we're doing some really, really great work um, locally, regionally, and nationally to kind of help move forward some of the things that we feel are beneficial, not just to the African-American community, but to the community at whole. Um, and that's just not even to really mention the Prince Hall Memorial Scholarship, another thing that we do uh, for our students, as well as individuals who are looking to go to college and further their education as they matriculate from high school. So, um, and Prince Hall and, and Keystone Lodge, uh, I've had a pleasure of being a member for a while now. Um, I, I'm getting to a place where I'm kind of an old head. <laughs> <laughs> I find that hard to believe. <laughs> well, I've been a member for a little over 20 years now. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so you're older than you look. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and um, been in Keystone Lodge roughly about, I don't know, it's, it's getting close to 10, 15, 10, 15 years now, um, just helping to, to to build up the work that we're doing locally in the city of Stockton. And we've partnered with several organizations, um, not just the NAACP, to do a lot of different things. Stockton Black Family Day, as you know, we're always a, a part of that, as well as a lot of other things that have gone on in the community. And again, it's one of those situations that we may not always represent ourselves as Masons, but we're representing ourselves as men and collectively we come back as Masons to have these discussions about what is needed in our community and how can we uh, best help to move forward the agendas um, that we see are beneficial for, for our people. I love that. I love that. I think, and you know, uh, I mean, obviously you all know, but full disclosure for everyone else, um, I had the the pleasure of my husband being affiliated with the Keystone Lodge uh, before he passed away. And I know it was uh, near and dear to his heart. So this, you know, the Jolly podcast is kind of a head nod to him. So I know he would be excited to um, to have me talking to you all about this wonderful organization. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Anything else you want to share with us? I know there's so much and we're definitely, uh, Brother San Juan, we want you to come back and, and talk to us <laughs> about some of this history because, you know, they, they're talking about reparations and all sorts of other things. The reparations committee is hitting on that, that clearly you have a lot of that rich history as well. There are a couple of things. Uh, one of the things is the we talk about the history and, and the, the fabric of the culture. You got to remember 
for so many years, uh, a couple hundred years, there were very few safe places for, for African-Americans to, to, right. to coexist with one another. You had the yeah. church, yeah. you had the lodge. There yeah. weren't very many other options. And so it's it, it's always been a safe place, a safe haven uh, for the African-American uh, uh, community. Of course, things have changed now. There are a lot of other options, right? But um, those of us who cling on to the history, the, 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 the rich history, we continue to, to, to work in our community and we represent Prince Hall Masonry. Our ladies also do a lot of work and they, we have youth organizations. I came up through the youth organization. Our, our OES work very, very hard in, in the community. And they too are the stewards of, of the, the history going back to the 1870s actually in, in, in this state. And you all call OES Order of the Eastern Star, is that right? That is cool. Okay. Order of the Eastern Star. <laughs> yes, we can't forget the ladies. So oh, no, I know they're no. doing lots of lots of work um, on their side as well. So and and can you talk a little bit about you know how what they do and and maybe the differences between or the collaboration I guess I should say between you all. Well, it is exactly that. It's a collaboration. So it was a Mason who wrote the Constitution and the ritual for the, the Order of the Eastern Star. So a lot of the, the, the allegorical lessons that are taught in Masonry, and these are lessons to, to, to that teach you to be a, a better person. They, they do the same kinds of things. It's different, but it's the same you know kind of, of things. They're deeply, deeply entrenched in into the community and for especially for the youth they have some wonderful youth programs like i said i have so many photographs that would just it, drop your jaw i have photographs of of us here in california where there were literally 600 women and men all together there were there's so many so many of us representing that we had to go to the bleachers at a huge stadium just to take the photograph Oh wow! Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we're not that large anymore, but That's but our hearts are, are are certainly are certainly there. To, I'm going to clarify that number. It's actually we average about thirteen, anywhere between ten and fifteen million dollars a month of relief that's being distributed throughout the United States in. Wow other Prince Hall Grand Lodges, as well as other organizations, or when when Kentucky had their their tornadoes. Yes. Uh-huh. It was easy for me to tap the, the Grand Master of Kentucky. Hey, we have we have 18 truckloads, semi-truckloads full of brand new furniture and appliances to those who lost everything. Oh wow. Besides the money that was was there for for them through yeah. the Red Cross and and forty there's forty eight other organizations that that partnered with the the Red Cross and so we're a part of that and we distribute every single month millions and millions of dollars throughout the United States. We we have programs and home fire prevention and and we give away free uh, fire detectors and all kind. We have a lot of programs going on right now. Uh, to to help communities, not just in California, but throughout the United States. In California, when when we had the fires, uh-huh. we were able to secure uh, more than a million cans of, of of fresh drinking water from Anheuser Busch Corporation. They truckloads. It 
chipped it in to to all the firefighters who, who were fighting the fires and in the Hemet area as well as in in the Sequoia National Forest area, uh, also Yosemite in that that area as well. And so uh, we we've had uh, communities that were put together by Masons. Yes, uh, the, yeah. the community in in Weed, California. Sadly, they burnt down this past fire season. That community burnt down, but they were all Masons and they all worked for the railroad and they were all moving lumber in and out of Oregon and California and, and so forth. So uh, we have a lot, we have a lot of lodges that have basically they've split and they form new lodges and, and so forth right. uh, in California, as well as the, the, the chapters of the order of the Eastern star. And, but we're in every corner of the state. We used to be a little bit more broad than we are now, but we we're in every corner of the state and um, it's just a pleasure for me to be able to serve. Um, and like I said, out of the, I don't know how many, I, I never did the the arithmetic to, to figure out how many Masons that we've had since 1855. It's a staggering number. I'm sure. It's a, it's, it's very unique to become the grandmaster and I'm the, the 57th. And um, our motto is, is service to our communities, you know, and we, we, we do just that. We're proud to serve. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. I think what's what's so interesting, you know, to me, even, you know, as an African-American, yes, I've heard about Prince Hall Masons, but um, I think you have definitely dropped some knowledge, you and Charles, that um, I definitely did not know. Um, and so I know there are lots of people around that probably um, have not heard uh, this history as well. Um, but I think it it really goes to show you that not only how important and critical the organization is for African-American culture, but for American culture um, yes. and the shift, you know, around the country, uh, you know, and even now the relief that you're providing and all of those things. So I think it's it's fantastic to hear so much about what you all are doing and the impact that you have on the community. So um, I just appreciate you all being here and telling us some stories. Well, you know, I, it's so important that we tell these stories because they're not, they're not in the history books, right? We have to tell these stories. We have to, to teach the, the truth about, uh, about the history and uh, you're not going to get it you know, for, from the history books, it, it's here or there. It's hit and miss if you're lucky and, and depending on what state you live in. Um, but um, like I said, you, you never heard of Biddy Mason. Right. She, she, she walked from, from Oklahoma to California. Oh my goodness. California became a free state and she got her freedom. Yeah. She was, she was emancipated uh, and she got her freedom. And the person, the man who owned her had to turn around and run out of here because he was going to go to jail because he he brought a slave. It was against the law to bring a slave into California. She became one of the, the most wealthy women, humans in Los Angeles. Biddy oh. Mason was an amazing woman. Mary Pleasant was the wealthiest woman on the West in San Francisco. And she was, she was born a slave in New Orleans, came to California, settled in San Francisco. She married more than once, 
she was quite a lady. She <laughs> she owned the, the the most beautiful hotel that that San Francisco ever built. It of course it burned down, but the man who who built the first hotel in in San Francisco, his name was Liedersdorf. I believe he was Swedish, and his mother was from somewhere in the in the, the Caribbean. I can't remember exactly what what island now, but uh, he purchased a steamboat and he used that steamboat to to move gold and lumber from the gold country into San Francisco. Okay, he too was one of the wealthiest men to to ever walk, you know, in in the eighteen. 40s, 50s. Um, he's wow. the one who, who who got the settlement in Negro Bar. It's now called the the African American Miners Camp, but it was originally it was called Negro Bar because that's where the only place that African Americans, slave or free, could live and pan for gold. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a huge movement behind that right now. If you if you read about Negro Bar. Uh-huh. It's where Granite Bay in that area, that's where ne- Negro Bar was. And um, along with the different parts of the country, you know, where they try to take take your history from you. That's one place we, we have to always remember because it, it was so important to to the history. And, the, and like we said earlier, the fabric. Um, yes. What we're going to be doing on on the first Sunday in March, I went last year. And we'll be going back again this year is to Selma to to walk across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Yes. Um, OK. Uh-huh. You can probably YouTube uh, the video of us when and it's amazing when you see seven, eight hundred Prince Hall Masons mar- marching across that bridge. Yes. So, so many of those civil rights leaders in the in the 60s were Prince Hall Masons, Medgar Evers, John Lewis. Oh, they were all Prince Hall Masons. Um, up a Randolph, Thurgood yes. Marshall, Thurgood Marshall, Nelson Mandela, brother W. E. B. Du Bois. There's there's so many of them. Yes. Well, it's so interesting because I think we were talking before about how you know you see a Prince Hall Mason, you know, let's say Thurgood Marshall, for example, and then you see Thurgood Marshall in the NAACP, and you know all, and so there's there's you start really being able to connect some dots on some of these stories about how you think that one person can't have an impact, but you can see how much impact they actually made when you start telling all these other stories because you didn't realize they were connected in so many different ways. Most of our progressive uh, organizations for African-Americans, there has been influence from Prince Hall Masons. Um, Every fraternity um, within the Divine Nine has at least one member um, of its founding fathers that is a Prince Hall Mason. Um, So, yeah, definitely, absolutely, what you're saying is correct. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you know, and maybe it's just me, but I don't think we, we tell enough of these stories to really to really get some of this rich history, especially for, you know, young folks uh, who may not know, they may want to, you know, join a fraternity or sorority, but they don't necessarily understand the legacy they're stepping into all the time, Uh, which so it's so great that, you know, you all are able to kind of shed some light um, on this for us. And that's one area that I I will say that I'm extremely proud of um, and something that I usually share with um, individuals who have um, 
intrigue in masonry is that we are not just uh, members of any organization. Uh, we are definitely members of the richest um, historical organization. And to uh, be a member within this organization is something not only to take pride in, but also be humbled by, because you have to take into consideration those that came before you, right? And making sure that the things that you're doing, even in represent representation of that organization, honor their memory just as much as you would want your legacy honored as an individual. Absolutely. Yes. You, you know what's amazing? Over the years, I have, I've met a lot of folks who, once I encourage them to go back into their own family history, and they find out how many of their family members were Eastern Star and, and Prince Hall Masons, uh, and they come back and they say, wow, I didn't know he served in World War II and he this and that. It, when they, when you, when you, all you have to do is go back just a, a, a couple of generations and you'll find that the expectation was that you were going to belong to someone's church, someone's Masonic Lodge or someone's OES chapter. Those were the expectations. And so it's no surprise to me when they come back and say, oh, wow, I found out my grandfather and his brother and, and so forth. It's in your family. It's there. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I know. I I mean, I know my husband, his father was a Mason. Um, and I think he never quite understood what that was until he came across you all. And I think you all provided him some education that he didn't even have. And he was pretty deep uh, on the history. Yeah. But but he you guys definitely educated him as well. So um but thank you guys so much for being here. Um, I look forward to, you know, continuing conversations. Welcome you back anytime. I would love to hear more, uh, not only about the Prince Hall Masons, about our rich California and San Joaquin Valley history as well. So um, definitely, you know, the invitation is open. It's there's plenty of it to tell. And I, and I like I said, I, I came on without the, any expectation of having being able to provide photo photographs or slides or anything like that. But well, um, no, and you can you know, if you want to put some slides up or anything, um, you know, we can use that for social media as well. OK, I, I have plenty. <laughs> so if you want to I mean, if you wanted to send over a, a few or, you know, we can definitely add that to. Um, the social media marketing component so that, you know, we'll put a few out there so that um, people can see and, you know, kind of understand some of that rich history. Yes, fantastic. I will. Okay. Fabulous. That sounds great. It's been wonderful for, for you know, to, just to have you invite us to be here and, and talk about who we are and, and, and what we do. It's so important that we reach out to the community for the fact that our life's blood is the community. Our membership comes from the community. So the more we get out there and talk about who we are and 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 our history, the better off we we are. And I do quite a few of these. So I'm looking forward to to seeing this later on. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Thank you so much, Charles. Any last any anything else you want to add? I want to thank you for uh, your your this opportunity again, um, just to have us present as well as um, being a keeper of our history and our legacy and being willing to share that to our communities. That's so important. Um, and we need more people like you in our communities and in our cities to, to help tell these stories that people may not know about. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you.
I have a question for you. Yeah. So I recognize Jolly. I recognize that name. And but what I recognized it for is probably different than the reason why you chosen it. In architecture, because we're masons and we work in stonework and we're building, we're always building ourselves up. We're making, we're we're coming in rough. And then we hopefully by the time we leave this this earthly existence, we become like perfect stones that to be fit in the wall of the temple, right? That that God yeah. has, has has created for us. And so a jolly is is fancy brickwork. It's brickwork that has been layered in a certain way to give the architecture a lot of character and complexity. And so I thought it was interesting that that you chose that word. I, I think the you, you're probably thinking of the Jolly as a storyteller. Yes. You know, my awesome. husband, my husband actually called himself the Jolly. Um, oh, is that I, right? Yes. As a professional storyteller, that's what he, his call sign was really uh, the Jolly. And so yeah. it actually makes complete sense to me the way you describe the complex art, uh, <laughs> brickwork that you're talking about because that totally sounds like peter barrett to me <laughs> <laughs> so i love it i love it um i you know i always learn something new and it never ceases to amaze me how things show up in your life so um yes. thank you so much for for that education any any last words from um, you grandmaster I just want again. I'll just reiterate what I said already, and and piggyback on what Charles said, and and uh, and thank Charles for being on here with me. Charles is my administrative assistant, and so Charles stays busy. He Charles is someone that likes to work behind the scenes and, and be out of the limelight, but he he does so much for for me and us, and I, I appreciate you, Charles. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, love you and your son. Love you too. Okay. All right, brother. All right. Thank you all so thank much. You. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.